Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Since you've been doing your devos, you've made it through several chapters of Acts and underline where the phrase, the name of Jesus, was mentioned. So here's the question. Talk about it at your tables. If you just joined us today, uh, you'll kind of catch on pretty quick about what we do on the tables here. Talk about it at your tables. Why is the name of Jesus such an important factor in the book of Acts? That phrase, the name of Jesus, why is it so important? Why is it such an important thing? So talk about it for a minute or two, or about a minute, and then I'll, we'll see what we come up with. All right. Let's see what we got. Where are we starting at? Are the leaders participating again this morning? You need a marker? There's some in my office if you need them. Okay, got a marker? Okay, we're going to start right here because they're just, they're ready to go. Um, It shows us how important his name is. It's important. It's good. Um, Because Luke was a follower of Jesus and he wrote it. Good job, guys. It refers to what Jesus has done for us. It's more than just the name, right? Um, Without Jesus, the church was and is purposeless and pow- oh, you alliterated. You came up with p words. Um, the church is purpose or purposeless and powerless, and Jesus is the power behind the church. So they did okay, good. Um, it was Je- oh, Je- it was Jesus's authority. He brought authority when they did things in the name of Jesus because he was the Son of God. Because his name is powerful. That's good. They're still working on theirs. Um, he gives. He gave, us direct, he gave directions as he leaves, so they're doing it as his directions because it's important. Um, this is the golden five. Okay. There are only four of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the, the four of you and the Holy Spirit. Um, it represents power. Um, God chose the name, and it has authority. That's good. Ditto Avery. <laughs> You've been dittoed, Avery. Um, uh, is remind, reminds us of what's really important, being reminded of what's really important, and um, because it's about acts of the apostles of, Je- of Jesus. So they came, you know, they were doing, they were apostles of Jesus, so they literally were doing things in the name of Jesus. Let's see what our illustrious leaders came up with. See what the brain trust came up with. Um, he's powerful. Miracles were performed in his name. Okay, so this uh, be bold thing, the study of Acts, it came from, um, I think it was over the spring last year, I was reading through the book of Acts in my devos. And I just kind of came across this idea that, man, that phrase, the name of Jesus, is repeated a lot. Um, so the, the session is called this. It's called, What's in a Name? Um, because we're going to talk about why um, the name of Jesus, we should have done like what a beautiful name, shouldn't we? Because uh, uh, I just thought about that. Because of what you, why is the name of Jesus so important? Well, there are a couple reasons that you see if you just look at the book of Acts. So in your notes, it's where it says there's salvation in the name of Jesus. It's because through Jesus, through his name, people can be saved. Um, look at Acts 4. This is, and that's the chapter probably where the, na- the phrase, the name of Jesus, is mentioned the most. And, um, and something happens. Um, the same group of religious people who were persecuting Jesus and put Jesus to death, they turned their di- focus and direction towards the apostles, the people who were preaching the name of Jesus in the book of Acts. Remember this group of 120 that turned into 3,120 and kept growing? Um, it says that they were asked a question by the religious leaders. And here's the question that they were asked. By what power or by what name 
are you doing these acts? And they, Peter said, it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in verse, um, in verse 10. Well, they didn't like that. Um, and he went on to say this. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no under, other name under heaven given among mankind whereby we must be saved. So, can you be saved by going to church? Can you be saved by coming to D-Now? Can you be saved by praying to Mary? Can you be saved by going on a mission trip? No. There's one way to be saved. There's one name that you can be saved through, and it says it right here. Salvation is found under no one else. There's no other name by which we may be saved other than the name of Jesus. So, most of you here have been around for a while. Um, some of you, you're kind of like new to our church, new to our youth group. <laughs> some of you have never even met me, and you didn't really know what to expect at this D now. <laughs> and you, you know, so you got a friend who's like, hey, come with me. And all of a sudden, you found yourself in seminary. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of awkward. Um, so, so, so I don't want to take it for granted that any of us here are all saved and are all Christians. But if you have been saved, here is how you were saved. And everybody's story is a little bit different. But there's one thing, one common denominator in everybody's story who has been saved, and it's this, that they called on the name of Jesus. Now, I was six years old when I got saved, and I called on the name of Jesus. And it was a very elementary school-aged way of calling on the name of Jesus. I didn't use big theological words, and, you know, there were no isms, schisms, or spasms in my prayer. It was just a very simple, yeah, a very simple prayer. But I called on the name of Jesus. There's no other name that brings salvation. And there's no other way to be saved. And when Peter said this, he was talking to a group of people who thought there was another way to be saved. They thought that if they just observed every law that was in this Jewish code of laws, even beyond the laws that God had given them, man-made laws, that if they observed all these laws that they could be saved. And Peter says, listen, Jesus, Peter's the one who sat there when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Peter's saying, there's no other way to be saved but through Jesus. So why is the name of Jesus so powerful? Well, because there's salvation in Jesus' name. Um, And because there's salvation in the name of Jesus, this name turned out to be unstoppable. You, You almost, you really don't because they were jerks, but maybe if you're a jerk too, you feel sorry for the, (laughs) <laughs> I'm, not call, I'm, not, I'm not adding, uh, you know, I'm not trying to add anybody here. I'm just saying, like, if you're a jerk, you may feel sorry for the Pharisees and religious leaders. I don't. Um, but you almost, you can see their frustration because they, what they do is at this group, remember, it started with 120, it went to 3,125, and then it started growing every day. And these religious leaders who didn't believe in Jesus got frustrated because they were losing people from their little religious sect to following Jesus. So they call in the apostles. They call in Peter, and they call in John, and these guys had political authority too, so they were like actually able to arrest. I, I wish we could arrest people as a church. I just think that'd be fun. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like Pastor Lemming signed an arrest warrants. Like, you know, you haven't been to church for three weeks. We're going to bring you to church one way or the other. No, but back then they had, you know, they had political power, so they were able to arrest Peter and John, bring them in front of them, and they said, you may not, this is literally what they said. Look at um, 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 
verse 17 of chapter 4, they didn't know what to, you know, the, the religious leaders were talking amongst themselves, and they're like, what can we do? What can we do to stop this? And this is what they said amongst themselves. To stop this thing from spreading any further, we must warn them, meaning Peter and John, never to speak to anyone in this name. What name? What name? Okay. They called them in, they called the apostles in, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You know, they said, oh, we don't care if you heal people. You know, we don't care if you have a religious service, but don't use the name of Jesus. What were they so scared of? What were they so scared of? The religious leaders were scared. The apostles weren't because guess what happened? They said, don't speak the name of Jesus. What did the apostles do? They got released, and you know what they did? They went and spoke the name of Jesus. You know, they're the original, you know, um, what's his name? The guy in the leather jacket, the rebel guy, you know. Um, James Dean. Yeah, they're the, the OG James Deans. You know, they just went out, you know, they stuck it to the man. You know, they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna, to, nobody's going to stop us from preaching the name of Jesus. So they continued. Well, obviously the religious leaders weren't happy about that, so they brought them back in again. Look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5 and look at like uh, verse 40. Hold on. My pages stick together. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah, look at verse 40. It says, they, meaning the religious elites, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Anybody know what flogging is? <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean to be flogged? Do what? Yeah, it's, it's like you're being whipped on your arms like this, these terrible whips. So they just go and like, you know, once again, can we bring that into church? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I heard you deviated from our doctrine, blog. No, we don't do that. We're, we're Christians. But, um, but they had, so think about it. They brought in the apostles and said, we warned you not to speak in the name of Jesus. So they flog them. They beat them. They whip them. And they send them back out. Look at the reaction. Do the apostles stop preaching in the name of Jesus? Look at their reaction. This is wild. Verse 41, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin, that's that ruling religious body, rejoicing that they had been counting worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. For the name of Jesus. I don't know about you. I'll admit I've been beat up a few times. Like When I went to school, we were just always pounding on each other, and it was one of those things, we all loved each other, we just beat each other up. You know, but... You know, if you've ever been beat up, it's not fun, and the last thing you're doing is rejoicing. But they're leaving rejoicing. Why? Because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. How many of us, when we do something hard for Jesus, and it turns out to be really hard, how many of us actually rejoice? Um, but they did it because of the name of Jesus. They were counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. And look what they did. Did they stop? Uh-uh. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Discussion question. What would be some examples of how teenagers would suffer for Jesus today? Most of you have not been flogged. If you're flogged, you're allowed to call the police. We live in a free country. Um, but, but we don't have the Sanhedrin in our country. But think about it. What are some examples of how teenagers could suffer for following Jesus? Jesus. 
And leaders can say adults, maybe, if you want to do it for adults. Fifteen seconds. All right, here we go. Let's uh, let's start over here. So, examples of how teenagers would suffer: Jesus getting made fun of on social media, being called names, criticized, bullied, made fun of, being made fun of for your faith. Social, social ostracism has nothing to do with ostriches, but social, being socially outcast, ostracism, ostrac, ostracism, um, made fun of, you know, that type of thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what do we have over here? Christians hastily writing, giving up your social status or confiscation of technology, getting, uh, getting muted on social media. Um, take, away, t- take away their phones. Um, to focus more on Jesus. Um, Allie's got several, bullying, beating, abuse, um, becoming an outcast. So that seems to kind of be a theme here. Um, I'm going to scoot between you guys. Um, Being ridiculed by peers, uh, losing friends. That's a big one. Being ignored and um, like maybe uh, political condemnation. Like, you know, sometimes our, our beliefs and the teachings of Jesus don't jive with like what's popular in politics, um, discrimination, um, not fa- you know, falling into peer pressure, a temptation, and associating yourself with the lowly. Everybody's trying to up their status, and we're lowering our status. Bullying, getting left out, um, um, for sure. Teasing, uh, teasing for being a goody-goody, holy roller, that kind of thing, As, absolutely. Getting made fun of, um, being left out, um, being uh, targeted and tempted, and just being different, being thought of as different. Uh, being bullied uh, because of religion. Go back to the brain trust here. Who's got it? Left in isolation. Yeah, being, being, being outcast, being ostracized. So we, we don't get flogged. I hope you don't get flogged um, for being a Christian. But it's, it's not easy, is it? We do pay a price for following Jesus. So what's, what's the challenge for this one? That we just like the apostles, that we count it as joy because we get to be counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. So we wear it as a badge of honor. Um, as we keep going, um, the name of Jesus is powerful because it brings salvation. Um, because all of history points to Jesus. Uh, these people who had been um, the Sanhedrin, you know what's kind of, I don't want to say funny, um, but it's ironic. Some of their own people left this Sanhedrin and started following Jesus. And when that happened, the Christians started meeting in the court of the temple of Judaism. And it says in Acts 5.42, we're kind of in chapter 5 still, 
that day after day the temple court, in the temple courts and house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The word Messiah means like this promised one. Did you know, where's, anybody know where the first promise of a Messiah is found in the Bible? It's like way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3.15. God, right after, you know, right after we screwed it up, right, right after, you know, we, we, humanity was plunged into sin. Um, I've always heard the joke, and I've told it before, you know, there's a, re, you know, why, why do a husband and wife always fight about, like, where to eat dinner? It's because the last time, you know, one of them made a decision, the whole world was plunged into humanity, uh, or the whole humanity was plunged into sin. But, um, you know, right after that terrible choice was made, and, and humanity turned its back against God, God promises that this deliverer, this Messiah is going to come. And what, they, what these people were proclaiming, the name of Jesus, is Jesus is the one. He's the one that we've been waiting for. And just like the Jewish people were looking towards someone who is coming, we're looking for someone to save us. And people around us, the people that we're going to serve today, are looking for someone to save them. And we have the news that it's Jesus. He has a name. It's Jesus. Um, so Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. And um, Look at Acts 22. It's gonna, we're kind of going towards the end of the book here to look at this one. Um, but when we're talking about how Jesus is the name that, it, that, that can be saved, um, when we're going to talk about him a little bit tomorrow, his name was Paul, and a lot of the book of Acts talks about a guy named Paul. Paul started out, he was on the Sanhedrin. He was one of those from the Sanhedrin that left and started following Jesus. But before he started following Jesus, what, you know what his occupation was? He was a killer of Christians. He was like the district attorney for the Sanhedrin who would bring people up on charges of being a Christian and have them put to death. Paul went from killing Christians to being a Christian missionary. And Paul looks back on like his experience of when he met Jesus. And it all started, uh, well it didn't all start here, but you know, when Paul called on the name of Jesus, just like we want you to, and I hope you have, I pray you have. Um, he was talking to a Christian named Ananias, and Ananias asked Paul a question, <laughs> and this was the question in Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. He said, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name, Jesus' name, and the message that we have today um, that should be a part of our service projects, because it's really not about the projects, right? It's about the people. The question that we ask people in, a, in a, maybe a little bit nicer way than Ananias did to Paul is, what are you waiting for? What is stopping you from calling on the name of Jesus? So if, you, if you're one of the people who ironically ended up here and you don't really even know <laughs> if you're saved or not because you just were brought here by a friend, um, or you've been coming to church your whole life, but you've never called on the name of Jesus, I just want to really quick press pause and ask you a question. What are you waiting for? You know how to be saved. What's stopping you from, like, right now, calling on the name of Jesus and asking him to save you from your sins? So there is power in the name of Jesus because it's through the name of Jesus that people can be saved. Let's take, like, a three-minute stretch break, social break, Bathroom break, coffee break, and we will resume. Yeah, let's not do that. All right, so now that you've been uh, caffeinated, um, we're going to keep kind of going through the book of Acts. And 
we're going to look at some other areas where there's power in the name of Jesus. Um, the next area where there's power in the name of Jesus is that through the name of Jesus, people are healed. Go back to Acts 3. We're going backwards now. We're going to kind of go to the beginning of the book again and work our way through the book again. Um, so Acts chapter 3. There's this um, really interesting thing that happens here in Acts chapter 3. Um, Peter doesn't even realize he has this power until it happens. Um, but in chapter 3, um, Peter and uh, John are walking, obviously through the city of Jerusalem, and there's a man on the side of the street who is asking for money. And, you know, we, we kind of have uh, a familiarity with that because we live in the Huntington area, right? And a lot of times we'll be driving down the road, we'll be walking down the sidewalk, and we'll, you know, there'll be somebody on the side of the road and asking for money. And, you know, depending on the situation that we're in and the surroundings, sometimes we, we, we help that person, sometimes we can't. Um, but Peter and John were in a position where they had no money. I mean, they were not rich people, and they had been in Jerusalem for a long time with no jobs. So Peter, and, uh, Peter says to him, he says, um, silver and gold I don't have. Sorry. But what I do have, I'll give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly this man's feet and ankles became strong. Everywhere in the Bible that you look where Jesus or where, where, where God has miraculously healed someone, it's always in the name of Jesus. Um, if we pray for someone to be healed in the name of Jesus, does that obligate God to like immediately physically heal that person? No, because he's God, right? And if, he, if God is God, that means that we don't necessarily get to boss him around, right? But every time someone is healed, it's healed through the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. Um, people are baptized in the name of Jesus. Um, look at Acts chapter 8. This is a really cool story. Um, in Acts chapter 8. It talks about in, in Acts chapter 8, 12, that um, Philip gave this sermon, and the people believed Philip. Um, he proclaimed the good news. The people believed, and then they were baptized, both the men and the women. So everybody was baptized. As soon as somebody put their faith in Jesus, they were baptized. Keep reading in chapter 8. Philip is, 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 is walking down a road, and he runs into a man in a chariot, because that's what they had back then, um, a man in a chariot reading a portion of the scriptures, and he couldn't understand it. This man couldn't understand it, so Peter, or excuse me, uh, Philip kind of explains to him, hey, this, this prophecy points to Jesus, and you can be saved by calling on the name of Jesus. And what does the man do? He calls on the name of Jesus, and he's saved. And the Holy Spirit, what we know when someone puts their faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit starts living inside this man. And Peter didn't even, or excuse me, Philip didn't even have to tell the man, hey, you know, now that you're saved, you, know, you need to be baptized. This man got it because the Holy Spirit was calling him to obedience. And this man, they're, they're kind of driving down the road here, and this man points to a, a, like a watering hole on the side of the road, and this guy's like, hey, here's water. Why can't I be baptized here? So Philip and the man get out of the chariot. And Philip just baptizes him right there. Um, and he does it in the name of Jesus. Um, so 
the net, in, you can go through the book of Acts, and I have some scriptures here that in Acts chapter 10, um, people were baptized in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 19, um, people were baptized in the name of Jesus. Um, in Acts chapter 22, baptized after calling on the name of Jesus. So are you seeing a pattern here that when people get saved, the next step of obedience is being baptized? So here's the next thing we're going to talk about in our groups. Why is being baptized so important for people who believe in Jesus? If if Acts has that much to say about it, what makes it so important? All right, we're going to start with the leaders back here. We're going to see what they know. (laughs) Let's see, why is being baptized so important? Um, It's an outward sign of identifying with Jesus. And it shows obedience. Um, it's, it, you express your faith. These are really good so far. Um, to show you believe as a proclamation for others, symbolic of being saved and being buried and being raised with Jesus. So there's a lot there. It's, it's to show you believe. It's also to demonstrate salvation. These guys, man, these, these, this is the theologian table right here. That's all. Um, obedience, and it's a symbol of our sins being washed away. You see all the different symbolism in baptism? You know, it's, it's, it's the death of Jesus and his re- resurrection. It's our death and our being raised with Christ. It's the washing away, it symbolizes the washing away of our sins. It shows that, um, that we have put our faith in Jesus. It's a declaration, a public decora- declaration. It's important because Jesus told us to. That's like A1, number one, right? Um, it's an outward sign of an inward change. It connects us. Wow, man, we're getting into some ecclesiology here. It connects us visibly to the universal church and a local church. The ostracism, and yeah, this is, it's a symbolism of what Jesus did for us, and it shows our commitment to Christ. That's good. Um, it's a way of showing um, your purity and your faith that your sins have been washed away. Um, it lets people know that you're saved. It's a public declaration. El Dorado Cinco, all oh, very nice. Um, um, it signifies being reborn in Christ. Uh, very good. Uh, it's a proclamation of our faith in Jesus. It shows others that we put our trust in him. So you, got, you guys are on it. It shows others that they have accepted, that it shows others that we've accepted Jesus into our life. Um, it's a profession, a public declaration of our faith, and it's the next step of obedience. Um, did I miss anybody here? Oh, sorry, guys. How could I miss you guys? It shows people that you're a follower of God, a follower of Jesus. You know, when, um, when, when people were baptized in the first century, like these guys here, um, there were no, like we have at our church, we have a, ba- how many of you have been in our auditorium at some point in your life? You know, um, We have a baptistry in our auditorium. So we have like, it's like a hot tub, only its express purpose is for baptisms. Um, no one that I know of has swam in our baptistry. Um, although when I was a kid, I did swim in the old church baptistry, um, and I got in big trouble for it. Um, so, um, but we, we have like a place to be baptized at our church. Back in the first century, they didn't, their church didn't even have a building. Like, they met in a public meeting area, and outside of every city, there were these pools that people would have to, they had all these superstitious views in the first century, especially Jewish people, and when they left a city, and they would come back into a city, when they left, they were considered to be, like, spiritually impure. So what, what you would do, like, if you left Huntington... <laughs> Before you came back into Huntington, you had to become spiritually pure again. 
<laughs> which I understand the irony here with, with Huntington and everything. But, like, you know, you would, you'd have to become spiritually pure again. So you would walk through that pool and, like, kind of sprinkle the water on yourself to become ceremonially clean again. What the Christians started doing was they started using those pools to baptize people who believed in Jesus. So think about this. If you made a profession of faith in Jesus, and that's when it was dangerous to be a Christian because you could be you know, persecuted, beat, flogged, you know, all that stuff. So think about it. You were standing in front of the whole city. You know, it'd be like if we'd started doing baptisms at Pullman Square. Or if we, like, took a baptistry in the mall, into the mall on a Saturday. <laughs> think about that. And when, when you were baptized, all your friends, saved and unsaved, saw you. All the people you go to school with, all your friends and in-laws and outlaw, everybody saw you. That was what was happening then. So they were making a public declaration, and they, they, their social status died a little bit when they did it. So baptism means something. It means that you're saying, once and for all, you're not going to be a, a Christian in the closet anymore. You're not going to be a you know, you're not going to be like a private eye Christian, a CIA Christian. But you're gonna you're, you're gonna put the Jesus shirt on. You're gonna outwardly reflect what's going on in your life. So, um, just like I was talking about, I hope everyone in the room is saved. I hope each one in the room has 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 been baptized before. If you haven't. Um, I'd love to talk to you about that, or one of the leaders would love to talk to you about that. Um, we've kind of got, since we got this baptistry over here in the main building, we can do like baptisms on the fly. Um, so if, 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 if any of you haven't been baptized and you want to do it next week, um, let me know. If you want to do it tomorrow, let me know and we'll get you some swimming trunks. Um, and, and you can do it tomorrow in front of all your friends. So just let me know. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. It'd be a great way to end our D now. So if you've never been baptized, um, talk to me. Talk to, um, you know, talk to April or Kate or one of the leaders. Um, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. So we're baptized in the name of Jesus. The next thing, why his name is so powerful, is that it gives us, it gives us the power to actually witness for Jesus. Um, these disciples were not real um, great people until they met Jesus. Peter had an opportunity to stand up for Jesus when Jesus was being crucified. What did Peter do when Jesus was being crucified? Did he stand up for Jesus? He denied him three times. But now we find Peter preaching in front of a crowd, being publicly flogged, and still preaching the name of Jesus. Where did they get that boldness from? Look at Acts chapter 9. Um, Saul, the one who had just converted to Christianity, was one of the ones who was doing the flogging, but now is the one being flogged. Saul stayed and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly, we want you to be bold, speaking boldly the name of the Lord in Acts 9.8. Go to Acts chapter 21. Paul, still speaking boldly, he answers, um, he says this, he says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not ready to only be bound, to be arrested. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name, the name of the Lord Jesus. Did Paul like have a death wish or something? Was he like one of those people? No. He was simply saying, I'll do whatever it takes to share the name of Jesus, to proclaim the name of Jesus up to and including if somebody puts a gun, well, they didn't have guns back then. If somebody puts a bow and arrow to my head, 
Yeah, if somebody threatens me with execution or death, they will not stop me from sharing the name of Jesus. Most of us aren't necessarily faced with a physical death, but we've said it before. You're faced with the possibility of a social death. If you go public with your faith, right, there will be people who will not be happy about that. Uh, there will be people who judge you because of that. Um, and there may even, even be people who ostracize you or they push you out of their friendship circles because of that. The question is, what's the name of Jesus worth to us? There's power in the name because just like the name of Jesus gave Paul boldness, the name of Jesus is going to give you boldness. And let's not even think about next week. Let's think about this afternoon. Some of you are going to be put in some positions that require some boldness. Uh, some of you are going to go uh, to a senior living center, and it's hard enough for you to talk to people your own age, uh, let alone people who have a hard time hearing, and you're going to have to scream at them. You're going to feel really bad for screaming at people, uh, but that's the only way they can hear. Um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be asked to play bingo, and you've never played bingo. Um, you're going to be asked to talk to someone, and you don't like talking to people you don't know. Um, you're going to be asked um, to shake the hands of police officers and, um, and, and welcome them and tell them thank you, and that's going to be awkward for you. Um, you're going to be asked to clean areas. Some of you, I know some of you did. Like, who, who here cleaned the urinals last year? There was a group of guys. Like, yeah, where's my, where's my urine crew? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and apparently they did a really good job. Um, you're going to be asked to do things that, that humble you, that gross you out, that put you in an awkward position, but just like Paul was faced with death, we're not, you're, not, you're not cleaning urinals in the name of Matthew Black. Weren't you on the urinal crew? Yeah. You're cleaning urinals in the name of Jesus. You're talking to old people in the name of Jesus. You're loving first responders in the name of Jesus. You're going down to the city mission in the name of Jesus. You're helping somebody that's in a, in a difficult situation get out of their house in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you will be able to do things that otherwise you can't do. Finally, people are entrusted to proclaim the name of Jesus. Jesus entrusted his name to us. When Paul was uh, just converted to Christianity, um, Jesus appeared to Paul in a, in a vision, in, in, in this in this. You know, burst of light, and Paul was blinded by it, and he, he went to this city, and Ananias, he was thinking about reaching out to Paul, but he's like, well, now, Paul generally likes to kill Christians, and I am a Christian, and I know Paul says that he's interested in Jesus now, but I think that's all a ploy. Like, I think that's all a ruse just to get the Christians to kind of come out of the closet, and then he can, he can nail them. But God encourages Ananias, and he says this. He says, go. And there's an exclamation point. So like, can you imagine what God says go with an exclamation point, what that sounds like? Go. You know, like, sorry, Josh. <laughs> but that had to have been a powerful thing, right? But God says, go. He says about Saul, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Just like Paul was God's chosen instrument to proclaim his name, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are Christ's ambassadors. So you, 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 
you are God's chosen instrument today to proclaim his name to old people, to firemen, to police officers, to homeless people at the city mission. You are God's chosen instruments. When we leave, we're not leaving under the name Refuel, Lewis Memorial, under our own personal names, Matt McClay, Josh Barnett. We're leaving under the name of Jesus. So here's our final question. How can we do the service projects we're doing? How can we do them in the name of Jesus? What does that mean? Here's your final question. All right. Since the leaders are so unruly, I'm going to go to them last. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's start over here. Respect the people we're helping. That's treating them like Jesus. That's good. And work to the best of our abilities. Give it our all. I like it. Josh is just holding up his binder. What are you trying to get across there, Josh? Be bold. Be bold. Be humble. Be humble. Jesus always ex ex exhibited a lot of humility. Um, in all that we do, we should do it to the glory of God, like through our actions, through our words, and through our thoughts. That's good. That's deep. Um, we can do, um, we can do, de oh, we can do devos with the people we are visiting and praying. That's a real practical way, so I'll hold you guys to that. Um, love them like Jesus. Just simply show them the love of Christ. Um, humble ourselves to serve sacrificially. It's not about what we want to do. It's about what God's name. Serve with joy. Show the love of Christ to others. Do all things to the glory of God. Do it with joy. Count it joy that we get to do that. Be bold. I like this. <laughs> Show the love of Christ. Um, get out of our comfort zone. I promise you'll be out of your comfort zone. Don't worry about that. And um, pray for those who are helping. That's good. And be bold. <laughs> be bold with a servant's heart. That's a, good, that's a good caveat to that because we don't just want to run in like a bull in a china shop, right? We want to serve. Uh, <laughs> just like, be bold. Hey, you know, yeah, we want to um, die to ourself, selfless or selfie-less, um, work with Christ-like motives. Get out of your comfort zone and be unified. Um, a lot of our service groups today, um, we tried to incorporate people from all ages into each service group, um, and the challenge here is that we're going to be unified as we're doing that, so that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, let's get back here. The leaders are getting restless. Um, I already got you guys, didn't I? No, I didn't. Uh, show the love of God. Step out of your comfort zone and be bold. All right, leaders, what are you trying to say? Be bold. All right. So um, that is going to wrap up this session. Now what we're going to do next um, is we're going to prepare for our service projects. Now, um, some of you won't necessarily have a whole lot to, like, physically prepare. Um, like, the group is going to the senior center. Um, you guys need to talk through some things. Um, we got the bingo game down there for you to figure out. Um, just kind of, you kind of work on the plan. Um, but what I want to do um, before we get into our service groups to kind of plan a little bit, because after we do that, we're going to have lunch. So, so that's, always, that's always exciting. Um, but um, but I, I'd like for us to pray just together real quick, and then, um, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do as far as service projects go. So let's pray. Um, get, in, get in a prayer huddle.
just one table, just with your table. Get in a prayer huddle. Go to church and get touched. That's Refuel's model. That's our purpose statement. We want people to go to church and get touched. <laughs> so you got to reach out and touch somebody there. Okay? So here, let's bow your head, close your eyes. Um, let's pray. Uh, Father, I pray that everything we do this uh, afternoon, that even when we get into our amazing race and just the way that we interact with our host homes, we'll do it in your name. God, there are so many people that we're going to get to um, see, talk to, uh, serve today. There are a lot of things in their life that they need, but the number one thing they need is they need to be saved. And God, we believe and we trust and we know that salvation doesn't come through any other way but by calling out your name. Um, so God, I pray that you will work through us, that it won't be about us, um, that it'll be about you. Uh, that when people see us and when they experience what we're doing, uh, they will be so blown away by your love transmitted through us. Um, that they're going to want to experience that every day through a relationship with you. That they'll call out on your name and be saved. Um, God, we believe in your name. We believe there's power in your name. We believe that you will enable us to do these things if we do it for you. And we do it in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.